A reading from John, chapter 21, 15 through 25. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but it if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, where every one of them be written. I suppose that the world itself cannot contain the books that would be written. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Capri. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you use uh, weak things. We ask that you would please help us to understand your word this morning. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. These are words that come from you, Father, in your Son and by your Spirit. So speak to us, open our ears, help our weary and frail selves, our whole selves. Help us to understand and grasp at what we can't understand apart from you. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, So there are... um, there are times that we take the life we've been given for granted, right? Um, so we might ask, what am I living for? Or we might wonder, am I even in the right career or profession? Or we might reflect back on our lives and think, how did I end up here? Or we might ask the question, why did this have to happen to me? When an event strikes you and you were unaware or it came out of nowhere, God's inviting us this morning into a much larger story than the one that I am writing for myself and the one that you are writing for yourself. A bigger story, a grander narrative. 
So we're ending the book of John. Um, we're wrapping it up. Um, there's just uh, this sermon and one more to go, and we're done with John. And um, a lot's happening in this last part. Um, it could be the beginning, though, even though this story's ending, right, of, of this series through John. Um, it could be the beginning of you finally finding value in your own life story. Uh, because by really thinking about and reflecting on and, 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 and reading where the story is ending, uh, we find ourselves in a story that God has been writing for a very long time. And um, so there are two things that um, I want to point out from John 21. And I was going to point out both of these things this morning. But as John ends this book saying, you know, there's just so much that, that, that happened. Um, there's so much that could be said. Um, <laughs> um, there's not enough time to say it all. And I think it's, it's appropriate then to um, only say part of that story today, and then the second half of that story we're going to say in two weeks. Um, so just to give you a heads up. So it won't be a, um, an extremely long sermon. Um, so just a heads up. Um, but you need to know your own story, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, the second thing which we're going to take care of next time is uh, you need to know the rest of your story, which is God's story. And so know your own story and know God's story. And my, my hope in, in spending a little bit more time on this is that, um, that by taking note of your story, you'll begin to hear the stories of others around you. Um, you know, some of, some of us aren't convinced that anybody else really cares about our story. You know, I've never had a chance to tell it. Nobody would listen or nobody would care to listen. Um, and if that's you, I want you to, to know that there's room for your story in God's story. It's a big one. And uh, there are roles for us to play in this story as it unfolds in history. And if we learn to give up the, the stories, the narratives that we're telling ourselves all the time, and to give those up to try and you know, create meaning out of nothing for our own existence, but, but we, we, we kind of surrender that and give it up, and, and we see that story that God is writing in, in the pages of his Bible and in the history of this world, I think we might begin to learn something different. But we'll see that there's enough room in God's story for our stories. So know your own story. So we're going to focus on this morning. Um, if you were here last week, uh, we ended um, with seven of the disciples having breakfast with Jesus. Does anybody remember that last week? Um, they're kind of by the fire having fish and breakfast, uh, fish and bread for breakfast. The risen Jesus, though. So picking back up after they ate their fish and bread and enjoyed company together. Now John shares with us a conversation between Jesus and uh, kind of like the the lead disciple, Peter. Um, So we see this, look with me at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, and I want us to stop right there. (laughs) 
Uh, so he starts, he says, Simon, son of John. Um, that's his name as the son of John. Uh, that w- this was the name that, 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 that Peter had before he met Jesus. This was his name as a fisherman. This was his name when he was lost and was not found by Jesus. I don't know about you, but that would have been pretty hurtful if that were me sitting there. Uh, it's likely that he was there with the other seven around at the, by the fireside, so everyone's there to hear this. And soon I think we're going to see it hurt Peter. So Jesus continues, Do you love me more than these? This is verse 15. He said to, said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. In verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon Son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. Verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Much emphasis has been placed on love here um, in in these verses. Um, You know, there's the phileo love and agapao love. Um, but all throughout John's gospel, he's using those, um, those words for love interchangeably all throughout. And so I think it would be a mistake to make too much of that. Um, and if you have any questions about that, please talk to me after the service. We can talk afterwards. What's more significant is the nuance here that Jesus uses with the words, feed lambs, verse 15, tend sheep, verse 16, and feed sheep in verse 17. Those are the verbs that should catch our attention. Those are the verbs that matter here, and we should make much of. Uh, one, commentator, one commentator put it like this. He said, This ministry is described in verbs, not nouns. Tend, feed. Not hold the office of the pastor. And the sheep are Christ's sheep, not Peter's. Not tend your flock, but tend my sheep. So ministry, church leadership, is described by this total care, this holistic approach of caring for the flock of God. Um, That's another way of saying the people of God. So I might be uh, lead pastor of Redemption Church today, but this is not my church. Um, this This is Christ's church. It's a part of Christ's church. And so all... Um, Pastors and, 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 and ministers and church leaders um, are, are just stewards of a church that is not theirs and it's not ours, it's his. Apparently, Peter got that message because later on, when he writes his first letter, um, if you've ever read First Peter before, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. It's the flock of God existing among you. It seems like he took Jesus' words very seriously, huh? And so out of everything Jesus could have said to Peter um, in the entire world, have you ever thought about, um, why did he say this? Why this? Why did he say the same exact, almost the same exact thing three separate times to Peter? You know, when I'm reading this, um, I think about, you know, Jesus could have given Peter three different charges. Um, for example, as a church that's committed to being Presbyterian, we might think 
You might expect that P Peter would say three different things. So preach the gospel, administer the sacraments, and exercise church discipline. You know, three marks of the church. And yeah, that would have been right, but Jesus doesn't say that. Instead, he says the same thing three times, not to say what Peter should do necessarily, but, but the kind of leader, the kind of disciple even that Peter is to be. And in other words, ministry is not a task list or a job description so much as it is a way of being and living and acting in this world. Let me explain that for a second. Peter, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. Peter, be a shepherd. We kind of like paraphrase the, 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 the intent of this section here. It's, it's, Peter, I am the good shepherd. Let me lead you in the way of, of being and leading more like me. Peter, the whole Old Testament even, as we're reading pages and pages, it's full of me identifying as the true shepherd, Peter. Not a hired hand, but a true shepherd. Against all the false shepherds. Peter, the Lord's your shepherd, you shall not want. Psalm 23. Anyone remember that psalm? Meditate on that before. It's the God who saved you and called you and loves you. And, and so be who you are, Peter. Be a shepherd. And so I mean, I'm camping out on this just to emphasize, you know, but, but why did he press this home so much? Why is it so significant? I mean, there, 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 there are many things that, that pastors and elders have to focus on in, a, in any given church. Um, you know, you have to preach the gospel every week. Uh, you've got to do this and that. Uh, it, it's so easy, though, to get caught up in just a list of duties and responsibilities. Check, I'm doing what I've got to do. Visits, pray for people by name, lead meetings, ETC, ETC, ETC. That, I mean, the list is endless, all the things. Be a janitor, um, you know, everything. Um, but, but Jesus speaks to the, not the duties so much as the heart of a pastor, the heart of an elder, the heart of anybody who aspires to leadership. Every leader in the church. And he says, yes, you have tasks to do, you have focal points, but always remember you're a shepherd first and foremost. Caring for the flock that is among you. And so a shepherd, I mean, he as we're thinking about these verbs, tends, feeds, cares for the sheep. And I think this cuts to the heart of, um, of fake leadership, of trying to fake it in the ministry. Um, so if anyone here aspires to any office or church leadership position in any kind of role, whatever, let me just say you can't fake it. People do all the time, and the unfortunate and, and sizable damage that that does um, ends up in either, um, you know, worst case scenario we read about or we experience or we see, you know, abuse cases happening. Maybe a better case scenario, it's just burnout. Not so good. Um, and so, you, I mean, you can't fake it. You can't keep up with the facade. If you, if you, if you try, you'll break yourself and, or you'll break others. That's not how it's supposed to be. And so character, godliness matters more than training and charisma in the ministry. It does. It's, uh, it's exactly why uh, for qualifications of the ministry, when, when Paul is writing to you know, young Timothy and when he's writing another letter to Titus, 
future church leaders and, and present church leaders, he's, he doesn't say go off to this seminary or that seminary. Uh, he doesn't say uh, be able to craft the best and most articulate three-point sermons in the world. He focuses on character, the quality of being in that role, not contentious, but gentle. Husband of one wife, good reputation with outsiders, and the list goes on. I mean, it matters how outsiders view leaders. It matters how neighbors do. And that's, that's absolutely crushing to people who um, are rushing into ministry, but it's, it's to protect the church from severe trauma and damage. And so we see here that, that true leadership, what it looks like, is not just what you do, but how you go about doing it. Um, leaders are accountable, of course, to the true shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus, responsible for all kinds of stuff, sure, but, but God places more value. He cares more about um, not just everything that gets done, but how what gets done is done. So I want to look at verse 17. Please look with me. Peter was grieved. He was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said to him. Feed my sheep. And so Peter, Peter is grieved. Uh, he's distressed. It's sort of that, that, that aha moment uh, when you realize that, that you've been found out, you know, fully exposed, fully known. And so someone's just found out a deep secret that you've had, or, or a person's been in, um, who wasn't supposed to hear what you said just found out. It's, it's that kind of experience. Has that ever happened to you? Ever? And you're going, uh-oh, wish they didn't hear that. Did that happen? So Peter has that aha moment because he realizes that by Jesus saying this three separate times, Three times. Three questions. He's saying that because in his own life experience, his own story, his own narrative, he has denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. So he's grieved because he's confronted with all of his sin. Put on the spot, called out on the carpet, however you want to put it. See, Peter knew his own story. And his story said, I'm not good enough. His story said, I don't measure up. His story read, I said I believe in Jesus. I said I would follow him even unto death. And when the moment came, I forsook him. And that moment came again, and I left him. And that moment came again, and I departed from him and wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Luke 22 uh, flashes back for us this event. I want to read it. It's verses 31 to 34 if you're taking notes. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers Peter said to him, meaning Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, 
I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. So his life story reads, fail, 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 deny, deny, deny. That's his defining narrative. You know, we we have these narratives in our lives that kind of certain events or something that happened to us, and it just, it always beckons and pulls us back to that moment, whatever it was, or maybe several moments, or a stage of life. And this is that stage for, for Peter. And it's what makes Jesus' words so hard for him to bear and hear. And so three times, Peter hears that, that where he has failed the most, that is exactly where Jesus loves him the most. Where he's forsaken his God is the place where God has declared to him the words, I will never forsake you because Jesus, my son, was forsaken for you. That right there is true for your story. You might think nobody cares about your story. You might think that nobody pays attention to your story. You might think of yourself as worthless or your life is pointless or your work is meaningless. What am I doing? But God says in Jesus Christ, wherever you are, you're known and you're loved to the fullest in spite of yourself because God sees his son when he looks at you. And God can do that because when he looks at us, he sees his perfect son. God can do that because when he looks at our sin, he sees every single one of them nailed to a cross through faith in Christ. Bunch of people in the news have been buzzing about uh, Facebook's, you know, data breach. Other people are privy to your information. Well, God has breached all of your data. There's not a single post, message, text, conversation, or moment in your life that He's unaware of. It's as if there's a recorder and he's heard it all for your entire life. Any moment can be played back again, exposed for anyone else to see. Sounds scary, huh? Not if this God is so moved in this world not to condemn but to save. And so in all those areas where you're fully known, the data has been breached, those are the places where you're fully loved. Where God in Christ says to you, you are fully loved, you're fully mine. Uh, the other day I was outside playing with my boys. And, um, and I kind of stopped because I heard a bunch of loud conversation happening at a nearby neighbor. And I was kind of paying attention to it. I was eavesdropping essentially, right? What it was. Just to make sure things were cool. And so my oldest son, he goes... Uh, he says, Dad, he says, why are you staring over at our neighbors right now? Everyone can hear them. <laughs> like, we can hear them. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he said it really loud. <laughs> so those neighbors who were being loud heard my loud son. So I was found out. <laughs> I was naked. I was exposed before everyone. And so my neighbors got quiet too. <laughs> so I went inside and shut the, shut the door. <laughs> 
How about though in that moment, in moments like those in your life, when you're feeling like nobody should or can know, no one will understand, people are going to write me off, people are going to throw me out, they're going to disregard me. What if in those moments... What if in those moments, God wants us to know and be known? What if God's gospel is actually good enough to tell us that even in those moments, you're loved and you're, you won't be left? So Jesus, his questions, they probe down into the depths of Peter, his heart, his will, his thoughts, his motives, And he responds and he says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know I love you. He pleads. And and get this, instead of turning away from Peter, in that moment of total exposure, Jesus accepts him as he is. Um... I spent a lot of time in this, and, 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 oh, man. Let's just think about this for a second. Getting written off is a whole lot easier than what Jesus just did here. Let me explain that. Uh, so if we're honest, we fear being found out in our innermost parts uh, because it's ugly the closer you get. Um, you know, it's, it's been described that, um, you know, people are really like porcupines, um, you know, and so... So, um, and the weather's cold and we're huddling together. And so the closer we get, the more we hurt one another because, you know, ouch, 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 ouch. So the closer we get to people, I mean, that's why, you know, in in a marriage, you start to learn things about your your spouse and you're like, oh my gosh, whoa. You know, and then it reflects backwards too. And you go, oh my gosh, whoa, staring at a mirror here, right? Our close friendships are the same. Or a bunch of porcupines. So, so what I mean by that is it's a, it's a whole lot easier to turn away from someone that you've hurt and, and, and just run from it. That's not the hard thing to do. What's really hard to do um, is to go back and re-enter the pain and, and to stay long enough to hear what you don't deserve. To hear that where you've failed, where you've fallen, that it's forgiven. That's unbearable to hear. The words, I forgive you, are foreign to us. They're not common words of the human language. They're not the first words that we look to when we get hurt. We want to inflict pain where we feel that pain. But as Peter says and confesses, O Lord, you know everything, verse verse 17. See, God does know everything. Peter knows Jesus is God. He knows Jesus has read his life story. He's seen all of his failures, all of his fears. And Peter's story is a story, truly, about falling from grace, essentially, you know, as, as a, it's a way of putting it. Uh, rising higher and higher in the ladder. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if Jesus' cohort was a corporation, Peter was, you know, basically, um, you know, co-CEO or whatever. I mean, he was, he was at the top of the game, um, He was called great in the kingdom and acknowledged and given a status and a a great seat at the Lord's most intimate table as Jesus ministered here on earth. 
And he plummeted and he fell hard from that platform and off that table. <laughs> he denied Jesus before men. He denied Jesus before a little girl. He denied Jesus before God. But this story is not a story about retribution, Peter getting what he deserves. It's a story about restoration. It's a story about not getting what he does deserve. And it's actually a story about what was actually lost, about it being given back to him and being found. And so it's a redemption story, this story. And so the first thing is that you should know your own story. Peter knew his own story. He knew Jesus was reminding him of who he really was deep down, a sinner, a denier. Deny, deny, deny three times. Jesus reminds him of this, even though it hurts. Shows Peter of his constant daily need for Jesus. Peter needs to be a disciple again. He needs to be commissioned again as an apostle. He needs to be restored to fellowship with Christ, restored to fellowship in the group of disciples. That's why it's by the fire. They're all sitting there. They're all hearing this conversation. And he's restored, and he's recommissioned as an apostle again. Back to being a church leader. But always, Peter is to be a disciple first for himself and a shepherd for the people around him. Disciple and shepherd. And so do you know your own story? Are you aware of your own story? Have you noticed where you fell or you keep falling? Have you heard about the message of grace and forgiveness and seen God restore you and remake you and renew you? If any of this sounds new to you and you've never heard anything like it before, um, do you see an area of your life where you need restoration? Is your entire life actually one that needs restoration? We'll start by looking where you are. Start by asking God and others around you where to head from there. Did you know that nobody else has your story? No one else has the story that you have to tell the story that has been written specifically for you. Because no one else can. I'm amazed at twins, personally. Um, you know, identical twins that people usually assume are exactly alike in every which way, right? Um, if you've ever known a twin in your life, though, you would know that that's, uh, that's not true. <laughs> um, they're different people. And um, I'm sure many people here can tell you about the science of all that. I just, I think, apparently, um, I think it, we're at the point of seeing that uh, twins, identical twins, have the exact same DNA, but uh, they manifest, the characteristics are different. Um, and so my, my sister, so an anecdotal experience here, my sister, for example, she has two beautiful twins, and, um, and, and one of them, the, uh, I guess he's the older one, technically, you know, it's like seconds, right? So, but he's the older one. Um, but he is just like jumping and jumping, and we get all these like cute videos of him jumping. And then his brother's looking at him, just watching, and he's still just watching him. It's hilarious to see, right? But they're so different already, and they're they're you know they're Leo's age. It's it's amazing. Um, all that to say, you're you're unique. 
And the Bible says each person is fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, King David, you know, writes that in a psalm, and he reflects back and sees that, 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 that he is unique. And we have that to read in the Bible. But it's also true about each one of us. It's true about you. So, um, you know, to put it as the kids say these days, you be you, you know. You be you. You do you. There's a scene in, um, in The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. I don't know if anyone's had a chance to see that. This won't be a complete spoiler if you haven't. Um, so. but, um, but basically, there's a group of, of social outcasts and people who are perceived by society as totally deformed and just unfit for everything. Unfit to live, even. And... Um, and, it, and it's that group that actually got Hugh Jackman into the place that he's at. And so he's, he's actually with the, the rich and the famous and the flawless. And at a party there. And, um, and they're all there. And, um, and it gets to this point where the, where the social outcasts, they just barge on in. And they're singing, look out, here I come. This is me. And it's a powerful moment in that story. Um, of just realizing, you know, that there are people in this world and we're, we're all made differently. We're all unique. We're distinct. We're diverse. We're beautiful. And that's not the whole story, though. What is the rest of the story? The rest of the story is that even your story is not about you. If you want to hear more about that, um, I want to invite you to come back in two weeks. Um, next week, I'm going to be traveling, and um, we'll have a special guest preaching. I won't say who. There will be a special guest here next week. And then in, in uh, just two weeks, I'll be back with part two of this story to finish it out. And so I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll bring a friend. Um, I hope that you'll finish the story with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are writing us into your story in the blood of your Son. That that blood is like ink on a page. We thank you that through faith in you, we can become part of a story that is much larger than ourselves. We thank you that you're at work, even now, writing that story. Help us to see it and read it and hear it. The story of your gospel. Amen.